Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Bezrat uh, Hashem, we are continuing the halachot of Kedushat Beit Knesset. Uh, specifically, uh, today's year, we are going to focus on three main topics. The first is, are we allowed to have uh, lectures, not necessarily um, shiurim, but general communal lectures and conferences, concerts in the Beit Knesset, in the shul? That's question number one that we're going to deal with. Uh, another question that we're going to deal with is a very, very practical shaila that has been uh, dealt with over the last hundred years, and that is the law of a mechitza. The mechitza in a shul, uh, where, what is the source for mechitza? What are the obligations of a mitzvah? So that also we will uh, be dealing with, and we'll discuss uh, touring rooms of uh, of shuls um you know in different different places in the world and here in Eretz Israel does the kedusha of Beit Knesset still apply to shuls that are in ruins so let's begin with our first topic today and that is lectures conferences concerts in a shul so the shulchan aruch and arachaim seems to say quite simply kufnun aleph sif yud aleph even a shul, when it is destroyed, it is prohibited to use it for a degrading use, such as sewing, or accounting, even for communal accounting, and for this, even if one made a stipulation before building the shul, it wouldn't help. Now, the context over here is referring to a shul that is in ruins, right? Um, so, 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 Kalvachomer, how much more so a shul that is still uh, alive and well, um, these actions would be prohibited. Um, he says further, So here, the Shulchan Aruch does talk about, and here we're talking about a standing shul, communal accounting, if it is done for the sake of a mitzvah, let's say, I don't know, if they're trying to count money for the tzedakah, that would be permitted. You're trying to raise money to do some mitzvah like redeeming captives, that would be permitted. Now, We've seen that any other um, communal gathering, even if it is for the sake of, it's not, it's not uh, licentiousness or anything like that, but if it's not for the sake of the mitzvah, lichara, it's going to be a problem. And this is what the Bira Alachah, the Mishnah Bura, tells us. So the community needs it, some type of communal need, and there's no other place Together, the shul is generally the biggest uh, room uh, building in town. It's still prohibited because it's considered lack of respect due to the shul. Even though this is a need of the community, and definitely this is something for a private uh, person that would be problematic. So can one have a conference uh, uh, regarding, I don't know, uh, different topics that you want to interest, uh, let's say there's a, a, a 
a shul, uh, a meeting regarding uh, job opportunities. Okay, and you want to have a meeting for your community. Lichara, it's a very nice idea. But according to what we've just written, even though it's a communal need, lichara, you cannot ha have it in the shul. However, here there is a famous chuba of the Sridei Eish. Rabbi Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg um, wrote a responsa. He lived through the Shoah, through the Holocaust, and he wrote responsum in the Holocaust. Um, and he was one of the Gedolim that survived the Holocaust and, and, and lived uh, post-Holocaust as well. Um, and he wrote this responsa during uh, the Holocaust, during World War II, um, and he writes as follows. So this is written in the years of uh, the persecution of the Nazis. During the time that the Jews of Ashkenaz uh, were under the uh, conquered by the mad and repugnant evil man, Yemach Shemot, referring to Hitler, Yemach Shemot. Okay, we all know what the Nazis did, but he says as follows. The, in the early times, the Nazis uh, prohibited Jews gathering other than in shuls for tefillah. So if any communal gathering needed to take place, the only place that they could do it, according to the laws of the, the Nazis, was to have it in the shul. So the question was, are you allowed to have any of these communal uh, issues? Can you do them in the shul? And he comes to the following uh, conclusion. He says like this. Firstly, to have lectures um in a shul, he doesn't think it's considered frivolity and it would be permitted. But it's best to proceed with a Dvar Torah or say Kapitel Tehillim, etc. And then he says, Only a person who is from can give such a lecture in shul because he is concerned that a person who is not religious is going to say things that are basically uh, um, tantamount to kfir. And to have such a statement said in a Beit Knesset, in a shul, is obviously not uh, not uh, in, in, in sync with the Kedusha of a Beit Knesset. They shouldn't be heard anywhere, but, but definitely not in a shul. So he says that, that's shut. And therefore, the rab has to give permission for any person who speaks in the shul. Thirdly, he says, He says, listen, you want to have a you want to have a lecture on the job opportunities, etc. But the arguments that come back and forth before and after that he says is considered frivolous. That is considered not giving due respect to the bakness, and that cannot be. Finally, he says, to have a musical concert of non-Jewish music, he says, it is clear to him that it is prohibited. And again, remember, we're talking about in the years of the Holocaust. So even in the years of the Holocaust, he said that is absolutely prohibited, something 
a non-Jewish concert, that would not be acceptable. Um, says that they cannot sit together, which he holds is a, a issue. Gamor will see later on in the story of the Mechitza where that comes from. And therefore he says, look, we're talking about a lecture. He says, At least men and women should sit separately in the shul. Uh, and then he says at the end, This whole tshuva, the leniencies are only in the time of the Holocaust. There was no greater shout of Chak. And he says, when after Bezrat Hashem, after the Holocaust, we'll reevaluate everything regarding the Kedusha of the Bet Knesset. So, on the one hand, you had the simple reading of the Shulchan Aruch, any even communal need of the community is not acceptable to have in the Bet Knesset. The, the Sri the H seems to imply that Me'ikar Adin, it is permitted, but yet quite stringent uh, um, limitations on that can only be done by a person who's giving you a tremai, that men and women should sit uh, separately, uh, etc. Okay, now says the Piskei Truvot. The Piskei Truvot, written in uh, uh, today, is still alive, I think. The Piskei Truvot says as follows. You want to have a communal gathering to discuss the policies of COVID. You want to have a communal gathering to discuss job opportunities. There are those that are permitted. Why? If the alternative is that people are going to go to a place where it is uh, perhaps not um, not within the boundaries of uh, people that are Yirei Shamayim, that are going to be giving the lectures, he said, it's better to have it in the shul. But always you should start it with a or some sort, so that it is still considered perhaps a shiur of some sort. Okay, so that is the, um, the, the basic uh, agenda of the laws when it comes to using shuls for other needs, in according to the strict law of the Shulchan Aruch, any communal need is not okay. According to the street age and the Piskei Truvat, Meikaradin, they think that it is permitted, but there are certain uh, limitations on that. And obviously, therefore, one Maradatra has to weigh up and see Yesh Makom Laakel, there are poskim that one can rely on. However, it's not such a simple issue. I'm going to skip the, the, the sugya of using a shul as a shortcut, because, um, and, and Bezrat Hashem, when we will we'll come back to it, but I want to focus on two other um, issues. The first is, what about touring ancient synagogues? For example, you have a synagogue uh, on the top of Mitzadah. You have uh, you have a synagogue in the Golan. You have all these different ruins uh, in in different different ancient synagogues from already from the time of Beit Sheni or, or or just after. So what is this? What is the din? Can one tour these uh, 
these synagogues, assuming that one's not allowed to just walk into a shul for the sake of walking into a shul. That was what we skipped. You can't just go into a shul and make it a kapandaria, uh, a shortcut. You lichora, you can only go into a shul for the sake of praying. So can you go there just to admire the beauty or the historical relevance of such a shul? That's in Eretz Israel. In, in Europe, there are also many shuls um, that are no longer in use, but are used as some type of museums. So are you allowed to go into those shuls as part of a tour? So what could be the problem? The Mishnah told us that you're not allowed to go into a shul, not even to be metailin. So what does it mean metailin? Metailin, everyone in Israel knows metayel means to, to, uh, to go on a tiyul. What does it mean in the Mishnah? So Lichara says the ri mi lonil. The ri of lonil says it means l'sachek betochan to play in the shul. Oli kanes letochan laharchiv halev bebinyan hanae shu benoi. Or it is to go into the shul and and be astounded by uh, by the beauty of the architecture, etc. That is what the mission says is awesome. So according to this, going into a shul um, to admire the architecture, etc., etc., would be prohibited. Based on this, if we're going into all these ruins, etc., it might be a problem just to go, that might fit into the category of Letayel. On the other hand, we have the parish of the Ramban in Megillah, and the Ramban says as follows. Right? Um, that the definition of the Kedusha of the Beit Knesset is similar to the Kedusha of regular mitzvah artifacts, a lulav, a sukkah, etc. Now we know that a lulav and a sukkah that during the Chag of Sukkot, so your Lulab has Kedusha. However, after Sukkot, you can put your Lulab in a packet and throw it away. Accordingly, says the Ramban, perhaps the Shul is the same thing. Once it's ruined, then, then it would be okay. Now, there's a difficulty with the Ramban because the Mishnah said explicitly that there's Kedusha, there's certain uh, limitations on a shul, afilo b'chur banan. So how's the Ramban going to uh, uh, fit his opinion into the Mishnah and the Gemara? Uperusha Dvarim explains the Ramban. That the beautiful decorations of the sukkah have kedusha during the Chag because the Shem Shamaim is Chalalem. The name of the Divan presence purpose is upon them during the Chag. Now here the Ramban makes a, a slight nuanced answer that really can uh, explains why it is similar to a lulav but different. And again, what's the difficulty? The difficulty says is that lulav after sukkahs you can throw it away. But the Mishnah said that a shul after it's been destroyed, even in its ruins, has kedusha. So how can the Ramban compare the two? Explains the Ramban. <speaking in Hebrew> 
בית הכנסת, כל זמן שבני העיר רוצים בו, ומצוותן עליו נוהגים בו קדושה אפילו בחורבנו. Even in it's destroyed, as long as the Jews there and they want it, the Kedusha still, is still there. Why? Shari adain lo avar zman mitzvato, v'ra'u'i l'shapetz oto v'livnoto. Because the time of the mitzvah is not past. The fact that the shul is in ruins, but the Jewish community is still there, and they want to rebuild it. So they should rebuild it, meaning the time of the mitzvah is not past. Aval im nimlechu l'mochro, but if the community has decided we are selling the shul, we're going to build another shul in a different uh, part of town. Brilliant chidush uh, of the Ramban. He says that once the community have decided they are not using the shul anymore, they've decided to sell it, they've moved on, there's no Jews in this area of town, then it has the definition of Avaris Malot, similar to Lulav, after Sukkot. Okay, you don't, uh, you can't turn it into uh, mamish, mamish degrading, but the Kedusha has, has left it. And therefore, uh, all the limitations that we have with Tashmishay Mitzvah apply to Beit Knesset. And therefore, there would be no uh, problem of, for example, going in and doing a teal in such a shul, perhaps. The Ein Safek says the Ramban, the Mechira Zeh, this is only if they've got another shul. But if not, then it's still prohibited. Okay. But we see from here that the Ramban tells us that once a community have left the shul, they've decided to move on, they've sold it, etc., it would be okay to um, the limitations of eating and drinking, etc., And all of these things wouldn't be a problem. And therefore, touring in such a shul, Lichora wouldn't be a problem. Now, Rav Shmuel Rabinovich, who is, was, I think, the uh, rabbi, or the chief rabbi of the Western Wall, says as follows. Uh, well, he brings, he brings the Khatam Sofer, and the Khatam Sofer writes as follows. A fascinating Khatam Sofer. Uh, in Siman Aleph, see if Lamed Aleph, he says, Although a shul in ruins, perhaps we could say the Ramban is correct. Nevertheless, he says we should still apply Kedusha to such a place. And why is that? Because nations of the world once they've designated a site as a Makom Kadosh, they do not, they, it's always, it's forever. And they, uh, they, they make a fence around such a, a, a place that was historically used for a place of prayer in order that there shouldn't be any uh, desecration. The Chen Ra'iti, the Ir Yargon, whatever that is, similar to where he, uh, close to where he was, that's a fascinating line of the Khatam Sofer. The Khatam Sofer says, if we cannot be supposed to act in a lower, with our places of Kedusha, the Beit Knesset, give lower reverence 
to our Beit Knesset, then the Goyim give to their places of worship. And therefore, so even though Meikar Dinah might be permitted, it will be a Chilul Hashem. That is a huge Chidush of the Chatam Sofer, that we look to the Goyim and we say, well, if they're doing it, then we should, we have to also do it. It's like counterintuitive and not there's a din of that we've discussed previously, you're not allowed to follow the Goyim. But here, the Khatam Sofer is using it on the flip side. The Dafki, if the Goyim do something, then for us, uh, if we don't, it's going to be a Chilul Hashem. I think that that's a fascinating topic. When do we say what the Khatam Sofer says? And when do we say, Mapito? The opposite is true. You're now copying the, the Goyim, and that should be a problem. Nevertheless, that is the opinion of the Khatam Sofer to be Mahmir. However, Rab, Rabinovich says as follows, One doesn't have to uh, object to those who go into these uh, shuls that are in ruin. Even if they don't say a Mishnah or Pasuk, again, if you're going in there and you learn something, then, then there's no problem. I was in, I can't remember if it was the city of Prague or Budapest, one of them, I think it was Budapest, um, and there, there was a shul, there's no longer a shul, but it was used as a shul, and the Nazis, Yemach Shemam, turned it into a stable during, uh, during, the, um, during the Holocaust. After the war, it's now used as a museum, it's not, it doesn't function as a shul, so I went into it, um, but I learned something, I sat down and I learned something. Uh, first of all, to try and restore the Kedusha, you know, Yemach Shemam, what the Nazis did, so we try and think, but also because of this, going to Rav Shmuel Rabinovich, if you go in and you learn something, then, then Lichora, there's not a problem in such a case. Um, okay, so that is the opinion of Rav Shmuel Rabinovich that uh, he says, Lichora, that you should try and be Machmir, but Yesh uh, Makom to be Mekel, and in the response of Kapei Aaron, which is uh, Rav Aaron Epstein, also living in Prague, uh, here in, in the 1930s, he says that Lichora, since we already know that the Shulchan Aruch, passing like the Rambam, that if you're going to a shul and you just sit there or remain there for a while, that's good enough. So he says going into Tua Lichora isn't a problem because, we'll just read the last four lines, the Kolsheke, Person's going in specifically to see the beauty of the shul. Not only is it permitted, it's also a mitzvah. That is the opinion of the Kapei Aaron, Rav Aaron Epstein, living in Prague in the 1930s. So Lichora, for that, to go into museums, according to Rabbi Aaron Epstein, not only is it mutar, it's even a mitzvah. Okay. Let us move on to the next topic, which is quite a uh, controversial one, and that is the obligation of the mechitza, how high a mechitza needs to be, how, uh, you know, see-through canopy, all of these, are uh, really controversial and uh, topics that are discussed in every community that are building a shul or revamping the shul, and they want to know what needs to be done regarding the mechitza. Where does this law of the mechitza come from? 
So the poskim points to the Gemara in Masechet Sukkah Daf Nun Aleph Amud Bet, and the Gemara in Nun Aleph describes what would take place in the Beit Hamikdash on Simchat Beit Hashoeva uh, at the time of Sukkot. After Sukkot, they would build something in the Beit Hamikdash. Says the Gemara, the Mishnah says, at the end of the first day of Yantov, they would make a big, um, they would make like a big, big uh, um, type of tikkun, some type of repair. My tikkun gadol, what was the repair? Based on what we have learned. In the beginning, the walls of the Israel Nashim were smooth, but then they made some type of um, protrusions on the walls so that they would be able to make, like a during the Chagim, they would build another, um, another koma, another floor, and the woman would be on top and the men would be below. Explains the Gemara further. We've learned in a brighter. In the beginning, women were inside and the men were outside. But it caused frivolity, mixing, and all types of frivolous actions. So the women were meant to be outside and the men inside. But the mingling was also still, there was a, a, a level of frivolity there. And therefore they instituted that women would be on these balconies above and the men below. So we see from here that there was a separation. And the question is, what does this Gemara mean? And how do we use it regarding Mechitza in a Beit Knesset? So one of the most prolific writers Regarding the laws of Mechitza was the Posek of the last century, the Gadol Adar, Rav Moshe Feinstein. And Rav Moshe Feinstein dealt with this quite extensively in a few chuvot. So let's look at the chuva here, Orachayim Siman Aleph, Sif Lamentet. So say, sorry, Chalik Aleph Siman Lamentet. He says as follows. To have men and women, even if they are sitting on different sides of the Nile, without a separation, according to Rav Moshe, is an Isur Doraita. I have to stress this is referring to in a shul. And this is, we can bring a source, uh, a proof to it. From the Gemara that we just saw, Shikshabe Gemara al Agzuster Ashashu Bezrat Nashim b'Motzei Yantar Harishon Shel Shel Chag. The Gemara asked about this um, building that they they revamped the Beit uh, the 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 Beit Hamikdash and built these balconies um, in order that the woman would be able to sit on top. Vakativ Hakol Bichta, but there's a we know the Torah says, gave us exact measurements of how to build the Beit HaMikdash. And it was prohibited to add on or to decrease from the building of the Beit HaMikdash. So what was going on over here? And 
And the Gemara answers in the name of Rav, the Kra Ashkechut Shetzarich Lavdil Anashim Minashim. And then they know they found the pasuk that you have to separate the men from the woman. The fact says Rav Moshe Feinstein that we need a pasuk to be matir um, building. Sorry, the fact that the prohibition of men and women sitting together in the Beit Hamikdash was so strong that it overrode the prohibition, the Torah violation of expanding the Beit Hamikdash. Implies, says Rav Moshe Feinstein, that the law of a mechitza is actually a din doraita. If it wasn't a din doraita, how could it override the prohibition of expanding the Beit Hamikdash and adding on to the Beit Hamikdash? So, because of this, Rav Moshe Feinstein assumes that the halacha of a mechitza is a din doraita. We'll try and work out what the idea behind the din doraita and the gather and the exact measurements, etc., of this din doraita. But according to Rav Moshe Feinstein, mechitza. In a Beit Knesset is a din right. Rab Soloveitchik says otherwise, but Rab Soloveitchik is, is slightly misquoted. But they all say Rab Soloveitchik says the whole thing of the the whole thing is the Rabbana. But as we'll see, Rab Shechta points out that Rab, Rab Soloveitchik didn't say exactly that. What did Rab Soloveitchik say? Umehai Taima says the Nefesh Arab says. Um, Rav, uh, Rav Shechta in the name of, of uh, Rav Soloveitchik. Rav Soloveitchik was extremely machmir that men and women shouldn't sit together in a shul. Men and women shouldn't sit together, even for the sake of going into here and the shofar blowing. This idea of men and women sitting together starts from the goyim where they would sit together as a family and pray together. And gathering like this and davening together, men and women sitting together, that they do to their idols. Okay? This is a proper, this is a Torah violation, right? Meaning, do not do serve Hashem the way the Goyim serve, serve Hashem. Um, this is what Rav Soloveitchik points out. So, according to Rav Soloveitchik, sitting and davening together is a problem midoraita, similar to what Rav Moshe Feinstein said. However, Rav Moshe Feinstein says, the Mechitza is also doraita. Rav Soloveitchik can't separate, uh, distinguish. Here is uh, Rav Soloveitchik, says as follows. There is certainly a requirement for the erection of a partition, of a mechitza. However, there is a basic difference between this wrong and that of complete mingling of the sexes. For as I indicated above, separation has its origin in the Bible itself, whereas the requirement of a mechitza must be attributed to a rabbinic ordinance. According to Rav Soloveitchik, Sitting together and davening is an isodor item. They, but if you would sit on other sides of the aisle, there's no isodor item. 
but there's a chiyuv midrabanan to uh, institute a, a machitza. Okay, so that is a machloket between Rav Soloveitchik on the one hand, Rav Moshe Feinstein, whether the sitting together in davening is an isodoraita or even without a machitza is also a problematic midoraita. According to Rav Moshe Feinstein, the machitza is a din doraita. According to Rav Soloveitchik, it's only midrabanan. Now, the question is, now that we know, okay, whether it's a dindoraita or dindorabanan, to have a mechitza in a shul, now the question is, what is the purpose of the mechitza? And here we find two different reasonings brought in the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchot Bechira, in his Magnus Obers in the Mishneh Torah says, is rat anashim aitam mukhefet gzuzera kadeshi anashim ro'ot milamalan vanashim milamatan so this whole expansion that they did in the Beit HaMikdash to build these balconies in order that women be above and, and men would be alone, what was the purpose of it? In order that they will not mingle together. However, the Rambam in Perusha Mishnayot, there's something different. They would separate the men and the woman. And the women were placed in balconies above the men. In order that the men would not gaze at the woman. Here we see a different reason altogether. It's not a din in mingling, it's a, ming, it's a din in gazing. And this is also the Rambam. So the question is, which is the, the Rambam is the Ikah? Perusha Mishnayot, which talks about gazing, or the din of um, brought in Hilchot Beit Abachira, where he talks about mingling. So yeah, we have, as usual, Machloket Achronim, how to understand the nature of the, or, or the reason behind the Mechitza. On the one hand, we have the Satma Rebbe and Rab Menashe Klan and others that understood that the Ikar is gazing. It says in Mishneh Alachot, in Chelek uh, Zayin, Siman Yud Bet, Benire, the Kabanata Rambam, the feature Ayakashele, the Elu, the Elo Atam Shel Tikuna, if they'll who rack Mishum Shelo Babin, if the whole reason is just to stop them from mingling, Ayadaishti, the Gnuma Komlan Shim Lahud, Vanashim Lahud, be Numachitza Benehem, Libadel, the Hain Machitza Shal Yutfahim. They said, why do they have to build balconies? I should have just said, this area is for men, this area is for women. Built a partition, Yutfahim and Shalom Yisrael. The fact that they didn't do that, says the Mishneh Alachot, Rav Menashe Klein, means that the prohibition is also gazing. And that's why they had to build a balcony for the women to be on top. On the other hand, Rav Moshe Feinstein uh, says in the same Truva, Velachin Tarik Lomar, Rak Mishum Kalut Rosh, right? Meaning, According to Rav Moshe Feinstein, it is not a problem of gazing. It's a problem of kalut rosh, of mingling that leads to frivolity. And therefore, you need to separate them. But what do you need to separate? Has to be up until the shoulder height. Meaning, it's not just good to have a partition. A partition is, is in halakha, generally, ten tfachim. Ten tfachim is between 80 and 196 centimeters. Not very high, uh, pretty much until one's uh, hips. However, one can still intermingle 
between between on the other side of the mechitza in that in that case. And so therefore says Rav Moshe Faisin, that's not good enough. It has to be higher, so there's no mingling. What's the high the, the height that is necessary? Shoulder height. Meaning you might still be able to see the woman, their heads, but very hard to mingle with them if it's uh, until the shoulder height. He says explicitly that we see that the mechitza is not uh, from the point of view of gazing. It says it's three amot, which is yutchet tvachim, which he says in different places is basically a meter and a half. A meter and a half. Okay. Um, let's move on to... Um, just before we summarize that, it comes out as uh, oh, we didn't bring Yeah, um, we'll just read it inside. There's no source for it. Many shuls today follow one of these two approaches. It should be noted that there are some more lenient approaches as well that have been followed in, in, in cases of great necessity. Rav Soloveitchik is reported to have ruled that in cases of great need, one can allow mechitz of 10 tfachim alone the heart of a standard halachic wall, which at maximum equals 50 inches or 100 centimeters. And Rav Yosef Eliyahu Henkin uh, also agreed in case of need that basically you need a mechitza up until um, one's hips. Now, part of the, the question is if the problem is not gazing, so it could be that what about a glass mechitza? According to Rav Moshe Feinstein, perhaps a glass mechitza is okay. According to the Minchat Yitzchak and according to Rav Menashe Klein, clearly if we hold that gazing is a problem, then that would be a problem as well. So these are the main uh, camps that we find in the Achreinim. Uh, even Rav Moshe Feinstein, who was more lenient, but he, he basically says if women are going to come in a very unsanua way to shul, it might still be a problem. Meaning there's one thing gazing and then there's another thing of gazing at a makom erva when one is davening. So that, that could be a problem. So based on this, many of the poskim basically hold that up to 150, one and a half um, meters, it should be a mechitza that you can't see. Above the head, there's more room to be lenient because generally the only thing that you're going to see above uh, above the shoulders is woman's head. Now, it could be that many women come without a kisoi rosh, but the Aruch HaShulchan has already said that that's not in today's time. Perhaps one can be lenient. It's not considered a makom erva, uh, at least for the purposes of, of the Beit Knesset, etc., that it, it wouldn't be such a problem. Okay, one last uh, halacha regarding this, and that is the halachic, you know what, I'm going to first go back to making a shortcut in the, um, in the shul. Now that we've discussed the mechitza and Turing runs, let's go back to making a shortcut in, um, in the shul. And we start from here, the Gemari Masechet Megillah, one is not permitted to make a shul a kapandaria. Also, Gemara, my kapandaria seems to be a Greek word. 
Amarava Kapandarya Kishma. So Rava says, it's Rava says, the name Kapandarya means a shortcut. My Kishma, where do you get that? Kamanda Amar Admekifna Adre Ilba. Not a Greek word. It's referring to, it's an acronym where basically it's referring to Admekifna. Instead of going around, right, I'm going to go through it. And that's what it, that's the problem. And this is brought down in the Shulchan Aruch. If a shul has two entrances, you can't go through the one door in order to get make a shortcut to go through the other door. But if that shortcut was there before the shul was built, it's muta. Similarly, if one didn't intend to do that, um, you went into the shul to daven, then there's no problem going the outside. And if you're davening to go in the one side, then, then it's muta to go into the other side. In fact, the Shulchanach in another place says that it's preferable to do that. You shouldn't leave from the same door that you came in. Um, I'm not even sure why why he says over here it's just mutter in the other place in Hilchot Bet Knesset. He says that it's a chiyuv. Not not sure uh, what that is referring to. But the Bira Alacha points out and says as follows: Im lo This prohibition only applies if you're not going to wait there a few few moments or learn there. But if you learn there, then it would be permitted. So based on that, you want to make the shul a shortcut, you could go into the shul, and then you could sit down and read a Mishnah, and then cut through the shul. However, the Pitkei Chuvot disagrees. The Pitkei Chuvot says, Many poskim disagree with the opinion of the, the Mishnah Bura that if you're going to uh, use learning a short uh, something short in order to get around making the shul a shortcut that that's permitted many poskim are against that only if it's done in a case of like you had to go into shul to call your friend but if you want to cut a, cut short then this is not going to help even by saying a pasuk. And how much more so if one does this on a permanent uh, way that, you know, there's a shortcut to get to the canteen is to go through the shul. It's very, very problematic. Uh, even if you, every time you would sit down and learn. This whole heter of saying a pasuk is only if you did it uh, and on an ad hoc basis, and not if that's your shortcut all the time. Oh, but if that's the only way to get there, in that case, there's room to be makele, and uh, you either make a uh, say a pasuk, or you learn something, or you uh, wait there for a while if you cannot. Um, and based on this, the Yalkut Yosef says the following halachot. Ein nichnothim lebeit haknesset lebeit hamidrash, ela letzorech mitzvah. 
you only enter shul or bet or bet midrash for the sake of a mitzvah to go and fill out Torah to learn or to daven. If you need to call someone, you can cry as a pasuk. You should when you go in, you should read something. Or you should just be there for a few moments and then call it his friend. And then he says, even though one doesn't, one's not allowed to go into a shul just to uh, save oneself from getting wet. But if he was learning outside and now it's raining, then he would be permitted to go into shul. Okay, those are basically a few of the halachot regarding the uh, din of, uh, of making a shortcut out of the Beit Knesset. The last topic that I want to discuss today is the laws of the Ezrat Nachim. Now we find two, uh, I'll say it outside, the major source of the Ezrat Nashim was the Shut, the Avnei Nezer, in his Chelek uh, Orachaim Siman Ahmed Gimel, where the Avnei Nezer passes that the Ezrat Nashim uh, is not part of, the, it hasn't got the Kedusha of the Bet Knesset. And the reason for that is that according to him, since women are not higher in Daba Shabik Dusha, they're not higher to, to hear the Dvarim Shabik Dusha that you need a minion to hear, such as Kaddish and Kedusha, etc. So that filler doesn't constitute the same Kedusha, doesn't imbue the place of the Ezrat Nashim with the same Kedusha to Bet Knesset. Since the Kedusha of Beit Knesset, according to the Nezer, is connected to Dvarim Shebi Kedusha, where we are high up to say certain Dvarim Shebi Kedusha, certain holy things such as Kaddish and Kedusha, etc., and women aren't obligated in that, so they are not imbued, or the Ezrat Nashim is not imbued with the same level of Kedusha. And this has many ramifications. First of all, if one wants to expand the Shul, you now get into a problem. If you take in places from the Ezrat Gvarim from the men's section and expanding it into the women's section, Lichora, you might have a problem according to the Abner Mezer, which is basically what the Chuba is about. Secondly, you on the, on, the, on the flip side, all types of leniencies that we're not allowed to have, eating, drinking that we saw in last week's fear, don't apply in the Kedushat Ezra, in the Ezrat Nashim. That is opinion number one. On the other hand, we have another opinion of the Aruch HaShulchan, which I think has been basically been accepted by, by more, seems to be the more mainstream opinion. And that is Arachaim in his, uh, the Aruch HaShulchan, in his commentary in Arachaim Kufnun Dalet Sif Zayn. Azarot Bet Knesset en lehem din tushat Bet Knesset. The side rooms of the synagogue do not have the Kedusha of Beth Knesset. Even if they sometimes daven But if they have standard minyanim there all the time, there is got the Kedusha of Beth Knesset. And similarly, there is place of the woman's gallery. Since women daven there, it's got the din of Kedushat Beit Knesset. V'zavar pashut shachatz. Okay, so basically the um, the Aruch Hashulchan gives it as a davar pashut 
that the place where women daven also has a din of Tushat Beit HaKneset. And therefore, on the one hand, there's no problem expanding, uh, changing the places of the men's, where the men sit, where the women sit, because it's all got Kedushat Beit HaKneset. On the other hand, the Chumrot, the stringencies that we apply to the Beit Knesset would also apply to the place where woman, the, the woman's gallery. And, uh, and that seems to be the more accepted stack uh, in general. Furthermore, says the Piskei Truvot, the Imlom Dim Sham Torah, sometimes the Shurim that have, take place in the, in the Ezrat Nashim, etc. Or sometimes they have Minyan in there during the week when the women aren't there. In such a case, everyone agrees that it's not a Kedusha. Even the Avnei Nezer would agree in such a case that it has the Kedusha of Beit Knesset and therefore the stringencies that apply to the regular part of the Shul would also apply to the woman's gallery. Okay, we'll end there for today. Bezrat Hashem, next week we will continue. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Bye.